This morning's reading is from Matthew chapter 8 and is to be found on page 972 of the Church Bibles. Matthew chapter 8, beginning to read at verse 1. When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes, and that one come and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go. It will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, thanks for reading, Rupert. And um, a very good morning to you. If this is uh, your first time here at St. Mary's, it's good to, to meet you. So I hope you feel very welcome. And um, we're going to have a closer look at that passage. It's on page 972, if you've closed it. Um, but it'd be a great help to me and to you if you could keep it in front of you. Uh, I'll lead us in a prayer as we begin. The psalmist says... I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. Our Father in heaven, we praise you that your words are words of life. That as you speak, you bring creation into being. That as you speak, your Holy Spirit brings new life. And so we pray, Father, that as we hear your word this morning, that it would do that in us, that it would bring us life. Please help us, Father, to understand what you say to us. Please help us, Father, to be encouraged, to be rebuked where necessary. And please, Father, give us hearts that are hearts that want to listen and to obey and cherish what Jesus says. And we ask this in his name. 
Amen. I wonder if you've ever heard of imposter's syndrome. It's a, a feeling that you get when you find yourself in a situation that really isn't you. It, it comes, imposter syndrome, when you're with people that you wouldn't normally mix with, or when you're in a role or situation that you don't think you belong in. Well, a few years ago, I got a touch of the imposter syndrome. Uh, for reasons I won't go into now, I was invited to Downing Street to meet the Prime Minister. Now, this was a big deal for me. The, the most significant place I had been up to that point was the school staff room. And um, the most senior person I'd met was my head teacher, and that was only once, and he wasn't very happy with me. But here I was with an invite to Downing Street in my hand. Well, the day came, and uh, I made the trip up to London. I was nervous, but quite excited. And as I approached the gates at the end of Downing Street, I thought, this isn't me. But I had the invite. And I went in, and the police asked my name, and it turns out that I was on the list of invited guests. And as I was directed to the airport-style scanner, I started to relax, thinking, you know what, I belong here. But as I was escorted through, a policeman stopped me. He said, have you got a tie? I said, no. He said, you need a tie. I muttered that I wasn't aware that I needed a tie, and I started to go red with embarrassment. And he said, you can't go in then. And I thought, that's it. I knew I didn't belong. Here's the moment I've got into a place that I've never been, and I'm missing out by forgetting my tie. And I was about to turn back, and he said, only joking, you can go through. <laughs> he was a cruel man. <laughs> it seemed like he sensed my imposter syndrome and exploited it. And, um, well, if I felt uh, imposter syndrome in that experience, that is nothing compared to the two characters in the passage this morning. See, here are two people, uh, one a man with leprosy, uh, the second one a centurion, who would have felt deeply this sense of imposter syndrome. This morning we're continuing our series in Matthew's Gospel. Now, Matthew writes to us an account of Jesus, but he, he does that with a purpose. He wants to show us that Jesus is God's Messiah. He's God's King. And he wants to encourage the church to go out into the world and draw others in to Jesus' kingdom. And we're beginning a new section this morning after the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus performs a number of miraculous healings. Now, on one level, these healings point to Jesus' authority. They show us that he is God's king with God's power. But uh, the way Matthew arranges these healings is very interesting. He, he does it, I think, to show us something else. See, in and amongst the healings, Matthew has scattered a number of responses to Jesus. And Matthew includes them to show us how we are meant to respond to Jesus' kingdom. See, Jesus gives the call for all to repent, to come and enter his kingdom. And some people, we see, respond rightly to that. Some people reject Jesus. And it's not the people you would expect who respond rightly. And actually, it's not the people you would expect who reject him. Now, I've got to apologize if you're following along on the handouts because I no longer agree with what I've put there. Um, I'm sorry. 
Um, I've changed my mind, not majorly, but slightly on what this section is doing. So if you're writing notes, just scribble that all out and ignore it. And um, instead of those points, I do want us to see three things, but I want us to see these three things. First of all, that Jesus' kingdom is for the outsider. Jesus' kingdom, secondly, is entered into by faith. And Jesus' kingdom is only open through his suffering. Jesus' kingdom is for the outsider. It's entered into by faith and it's open through his suffering. Now, let's dive in. We, we pick up the story uh, when Jesus comes down from the mountain, having just given his sermon. And immediately, a man with leprosy approaches Jesus and kneels before him. Now, the word here for leprosy um, can mean a number of skin conditions, which would have meant that this man would have been difficult to look at. Now, I've suffered from very mild skin conditions in the past, and um, I've made that mistake. I don't know if you've done it, where you type in the condition into Google Images. Anyone done that? Um, don't do it if you haven't. But as you press enter, you're suddenly presented with a screen uh, of people with the most severe uh, uh, problems, uh, most severe versions of what, what you've typed in. And as you see the pictures, you, you, almost, you, you wince, and you, you turn your face from the screen, and you want to close it. And you can just imagine, can't you, the crowd seeing this man with leprosy, them doing a similar thing, wincing, turning their faces from him. But you know what? It's even worse for this man. See, see in the law, uh, people with skin conditions like him were excluded from the people. See, if you developed a certain skin condition like this, you, um, you would need to go to the priest's. And uh, the priest would examine you, and if they found you to have a certain skin condition, then you were declared unclean, and you had to remove yourself from the people and from the temple. Uh, you can read all about it in um, Levit Leviticus, uh, Leviticus rather, uh, chapters 13 to 14. And uh, just to give you a bit of a feel for that, here are two verses from those chapters. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, and cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. And that command normally lasted for the rest of their lives. Almost no one recovered from his type of condition. So we've got a man here who suffers not only from a chronic skin condition, but also the pain of social isolation and from isolation from the temple, from his God. But he spots an opportunity in Jesus. Perhaps he's heard about Jesus' healings. Perhaps he's looked on from a distance at the crowd listening to Jesus' sermon, and he thinks to himself, here is a man with power. Here is a man who can heal sickness. Maybe he can heal me. And in that moment of desperation, he approaches Jesus, and he asks to be made clean. Now, if you were a Jewish reader in the first century, this would have been excruciating to read. See, here we've got someone unclean coming face to face with God's Messiah. But what does Jesus do? Does he cast the man aside? Does he quote to him the law? Does he shout unclean? Does he rebuke him? No. Jesus reaches out, touches him, 
and says, I am willing. See, Jesus' actions here are remarkable. He, he not only speaks, but he touches the man. Did you spot that? It's an act which would have meant that Jesus himself would become unclean, according to the law. But rather than the man making Jesus unclean, Jesus makes the man clean. See, in an instant, Jesus shows his power and authority. He changes this man's world. He restores his skin, and in doing so, he changes his status as an outsider. And Matthew puts this here, I think, to show us that Jesus has the power to bring the most excluded, the most unclean of us, into his kingdom. And just in case we're not persuaded of that, Matthew gives us a second example. See, after healing the man with leprosy, a centurion approaches Jesus in verse 5. Now, a centurion was a local army officer. They um, looked after at least 100 soldiers, hence the name. And this centurion, he is in a desperate state. His servant is in pain, and we're told he is in terrible suffering. And the centurion, he cares deeply about his servant, and he thinks that Jesus might be able to do something. And he comes to Jesus, and he asks for help. Now, I guess we read that and we think, okay, what's the big deal? We, we probably don't get the shock of what is going on here, but, but reading this from a Jewish background, as many of the first readers would have been, this would have been tense. It would have been scandalous. Well, why is that? Well, first, he's a Gentile soldier. Why is that significant? Well, as a Gentile, a non-Jewish person, he was seen as an outsider to God's people. See, on two occasions in Matthew's Gospel, uh, Gentiles are referred to as dogs, and it's a strong word, but it, but it gives us a, an idea, doesn't it, of how the Gentiles were perceived as unclean, excluded from God's people, not the sort of people who would benefit from God's Messiah. And secondly, though, here we have a soldier or an officer as one from the, from the empire that is occupying the Jewish nation. See, a centurion, we would assume, is the enemy of the kingdom of God. I mean, he is completely on the outside. But he's desperate, and he asks Jesus for help. Again, what does Jesus do? Does he rebuke him? Does he tell him to get out of the nation? Does he tell him to be removed from his presence? No, he says he will come and heal his servant. Now, we're going to come back in a moment to what the centurion says, but in verse 13, we read that the centurion's servant is healed in a moment. And Matthew, I think, includes these healing miracles both with people who were normally excluded to show us that Jesus' kingdom is for the outsider. See, the man with leprosy, the Gentile centurion, are both blessed by God's king. Now, remember where this gospel is going. If you know Matthew's gospel, you'll know in chapter 28, there's the Great Commission. Jesus commands the church to go to to make disciples of all nations, all people groups. And here we start to see why, don't we? 
Jesus' kingdom extends to all, even for the most unclean, even for the outsider. There is no one that his transforming power cannot touch. No one is beyond the reach of his call, no matter what our background, our past, or what others might say about us. Now, I don't know how you feel about that. When I've looked at this, um, I've asked myself the question, how much do I understand this? How how much have I understood that Jesus' kingdom really is for the outsider and for the unclean? And I've wondered sometimes that sometimes my attitude might say more about how I feel than I like to admit. And I've asked myself, do I gravitate to certain types of people thinking that they're more likely to respond to Jesus? And in doing so, do I show that I really doubt that Jesus' kingdom is for the outsider? See, I guess there'd be two groups, two responses to that, to this point today. See, there'd be some of us who feel like the man with leprosy. We feel like imposters. We feel like God's kingdom naturally belongs to others, not people like us. Uh, We look at people who we think are more gifted in church, and we think that God welcomes them, and not me with my limited abilities and struggles. Or perhaps we think on our background, perhaps we aren't as presentable as others, and we think that God is more favorable to those who can present themselves well not people like us. Or perhaps we struggle with temptations that are perhaps seen more severe by others or more public. A same-sex attraction, an alcohol dependency. And we wonder whether God's promises are for us. But Jesus shows us here that those who experience his kingdom might be seen by others as on the outside, but Jesus has the power to bring them in. But I think there's a second group of responses that we might have. There might be some of us, and we all do this from time to time, who feel like we're on the inside and don't quite believe that Jesus' kingdom really is for the outsider. I wonder, can you imagine anyone coming into St. Mary's one Sunday and you would think to yourselves, you know what, this really isn't for you. Is there anywhere in our community that you naturally kind of gravitate away from, doubting that the news of Jesus is for them? People from a different culture? People from a different social class? People with a questionable lifestyle? See, here, it's shocking, isn't it? We have the two most excluded people you can imagine for a Jewish person. But here are two people who Jesus has mercy on and benefit from his kingdom. Secondly, Jesus' kingdom is entered into by faith. I guess some of us might be asking, well, does this mean that Jesus' kingdom is open to all outsiders, irrespective of how people respond? Well, the answer is no, but I want us to see um, why, why it is. See, Matthew shows us something else in these two examples He shows us how we're to respond rightly to Jesus. Uh, We skipped over it, but before Jesus heals the centurion's servant, there's a conversation between Jesus and the centurion. 
See, in verse 7, you spot it there, yeah, Jesus says that he will come and heal the servant, but the centurion replies, verse 8, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. It's an incredible response when you think about it. See, this centurion, he was desperate for his servant to be healed, and Jesus said, I will, I will heal, heal him. He offers to do exactly what the centurion wants. But the centurion knows something more deeply than his servant's suffering. He knows his own unworthiness before Jesus. He knows he does not deserve what Jesus gives. And so he says, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Instead, just speak the word. Now, why does he say that? Well, look at verse 9. He says this, For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me, I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes, and I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, maybe we get what the centurion is saying um, when we think of how people behave at work. Uh, your manager, you just imagine your manager comes in, and they say to you, uh, we've been given a job request, and no one moves. But then they say, well, this job request is from the CEO. What does everyone do? Well, they get on it, don't they? They move, they start to action things and make sure the work is done. Or maybe we are the CEO and uh, we sit in work just pointing our fingers and we say, go on that business trip and our staffs go on that business trip and we say, I need that report and the report magically appears in our hands. See, the centurion's point is that someone like that, someone like the CEO is like Jesus. See, Jesus is someone who can just give a word and it will be done. The centurion knows that this is God's king with an authority that he can just heal suffering by his words. But actually, Matthew takes us in a different place. Matthew takes us in verse 10. When Jesus, uh, Matthew says this, uh, sorry, uh, Matthew recalls this, verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was astonished. And said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now, what Jesus says here is remarkable. He says no one in Israel has shown the belief that the centurion does. In other words, the very people who should have believed in God's Messiah have been outdone by the belief of this outsider. And Jesus adds these words in verse 11. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, why does Jesus say this? Well, the banquet he talks about there with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a way of speaking about heaven it's a way of speaking about God's future kingdom. Uh, often in the Bible, um, the future is described as a great feast, as a, as a party, and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be there. But Jesus says that it's going to be people from east and west who are going to be joining them. In other words, people from all corners of the earth. And even more surprising than that, it's, it's crazy what Jesus says in, in one sense, because even more surprising, those people who thought that they were part of God's kingdom already, who had 
the special ancestry, who saw um, Abraham as their father, Jesus says that they will be thrown out. Now, what is Jesus doing here? What is he getting at? Well, he's defining the boundaries of his kingdom. He's saying that what counts in his kingdom is not the credentials of your ancestry, not your religious achievements, not your earthly status. It is whether you believe him at his word. It's whether you have faith in him. See, those who are part of God's kingdom are not those we might expect. It's not the religious establishment. In fact, it's those people that reject Jesus in the next chapter. Instead, those people who benefit from Jesus' kingdom are those from East and West. It's the outsiders, the people we wouldn't expect. It's those who believe Jesus at his word. Now, from talking to, to non-Christian friends, I, um, I know that so many people seem to get the wrong impression of Christianity precisely on this point. See, a lot of people, I think, write off Christianity not because they know what it's about, but because they get the impression that it isn't for them. Uh, sometimes they get the impression that Christianity and the claims of Jesus are for the religious types, uh, the churchy type of people, those people who think they've had a moral life. And because of that, they write the claims of the gospel off. But Jesus says, actually, what matters is belief in him. Jesus is saying, you can be part of my kingdom, and it doesn't matter if you're an outsider, it doesn't matter what your background is, it doesn't matter whether you're privileged or not, whether you have a high or low IQ. What matters is that you're like this centurion, that you recognize you're not worthy to enter my kingdom, but you ask for mercy, my mercy to bring you into my kingdom. I don't know about you, but it's easy to forget this, I think, as we go on in the Christian life. It's easy sometimes, we might not put it like this, but sometimes we kind of live like this, that we almost have something to offer God, that he's kind of blessed to have us, to have me in his kingdom. But this centurion reminds us that we do not deserve to be blessed by Jesus. We are unworthy, and our inclusion in his kingdom is only due to to his mercy. But third and finally, as Jesus makes this promise, even to the outsider, even to the unclean, he does it through being treated as an outsider and as one unclean himself. In next week's passage in verse 17, uh, Matthew quotes from Isaiah 53, and uh, I won't go into it in detail now, I don't want to spoil next week's fun, but um, you may know Isaiah 53 is the song of God's suffering servant. Uh, Isaiah describes a servant who uh, comes to suffer for the sins of their people so that the people can be forgiven. Uh, and Matthew includes this verse to show us that what Jesus does in this chapter uh, is not just miraculous healings. He does heal, but he's showing us something more profound. He's showing us that Jesus is God's suffering servant. See, as Jesus heals, we're told, he is taking on our illnesses and our diseases himself. Now, what does that mean? Well, in one sense, Jesus is doing that literally. He heals of these diseases. He changes these people's worlds. And it's a pointer forward 
to the day in which Jesus does that finally, where he establishes his kingdom on earth and there'll be no more sickness, no more pain, no more death. But in a deeper sense, Jesus is fulfilling this verse by taking on your spiritual sickness. See, we are like the man with leprosy. On our own before God, we are morally unclean. We should be excluded. We're like the centurion, not worthy to have Jesus come under our roof, let alone in our hearts, an outsider to God's promises. But Jesus comes in mercy. He comes to take on our spiritual sickness on himself. See, Jesus Christ is treated as one unclean, one from whom people hide their faces. He is treated as an outsider. He was the one that was crucified like a common criminal. He was the one who experienced rejection of his people. He was the one who was forsaken by his father. But he died and was raised so that you and me might be healed, so that you and me might be treated as clean, completely forgiven, completely washed, seen and presented as perfect before the Father, so that we might be healed like the centurion's servant, restored from our sinful state and given new life through him. See, in both these requests, Jesus says these words, the precious words, I will. See, to the man with leprosy, he says, I am willing. To the centurion, I will heal your servant. And because of his suffering, because he was made unclean, because he was pushed to the outside, Jesus says, I will to you and to me. Jesus says these words in John chapter 6, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. I will never drive away. If we're not a Christian here this morning, if we're not sure we're a Christian, I hope one thing is coming across clearly this morning, that you are not beyond Jesus' kingdom. See, Jesus invites all people from all nations, people like you, to benefit from what he gives to enjoy that banquet in the future. You say, yes, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what background I'm from. Well, Jesus shows us here, we have two of the most excluded outside people coming to know him. And if we were Christian this morning, I hope it encourages us to trust that Jesus really is for us. And I hope it encourages us to take the news of him to all peoples around our community. Now, I wonder what this would look like for you this week if you're a Christian. What would it look like to have this understanding that Jesus' kingdom really is for the excluded, really is for the outsider? What would that look like at work, as you talk to your neighbors, as you talk to your friends? What would it look like for you this week? Let's pray. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Our Lord Jesus Christ, how we praise you 
for these precious words spoken to the man with leprosy and ultimately spoken to us. We thank you, our Lord Jesus, that through your suffering, through you being made unclean, that you have given us the opportunity to be made clean before you. We praise you, Jesus, that you do have mercy on us, and we pray that you will renew that sense in us again, that you will give us confidence that we can be part of your kingdom, and that you would give us confidence as we look around us, that you would help us to share this news of you, even for the excluded, even for the outsider. And we ask for your help in that. Amen.